Drink it in now. Deep left side carry on. Picks up a block. At the five. At the two. At the one to the end zone. Touchdown Detroit Lions. Drink it in now. Get up Stafford throws. It is end zone. Detroit Kool-Aid, what is going on everybody, it's your boy Oakry, it is Friday morning and we are dropping another podcast for you, Grifka, it's Friday, I know what you usually say, what do you got for the people, how you feeling, what are we talking Lions this week? Oh man, feeling good man, and just, you know, like trying to wake up from watching basketball all yesterday. <laughs> this is where you always say TGIF, Grifka, that's your gimmick. <laughs> so I'm trying to break that gimmick. <laughs> so it doesn't show up in next year's bracket. <laughs> oh, man, we had some fun on the Wednesday show and talked a lot Lions. So if you didn't check that out, please go back and, and give it a listen. Grifka, you got news and notes. Uh, tell me what you're thinking. Uh, our Detroit Lions heading to the draft. Uh, still got some free agent money. What the heck's going on? Um, going back and listening to the uh, podcast from Wednesday, I uh, and we were talking about the uh, the free agent signings. And uh, one question I wanted to ask you was, um, was it Coleman said that, you know, preparing for the Lions when they played them last year was tough. It was one of the tougher games to prepare for. Um, I, I know during the year we had talked about, it seemed like the Lions offense got real stagnant, very, uh, very uh, easy to predict. So do you think Coleman was just kind of like, you know, you think that was just talk, you know, kind of like, yeah, this, this is a good team. They got a good offense. You know, they were tough to prepare for. Or do you think he was just trying to, like, that's yeah, just kind of rhetoric to say that? <laughs> oh, man. Funniest thing, like, these, these things, like, I think really bug you, Grifko, or make your mind turn, and I, like, don't think about them at all. Like, you know, to me, he just, uh, he's a new guy on the team. They're going to ask him, you know, how was it going against the Lions? I mean, what is he going to say? Of course, he's going to say, you know, they were tough, this, that, and the other. I mean, just trying to make a good impression. I don't take too much away from it. I think that... He's happy he's here. He's happy he got paid. He's happy he's with some people he knows. And hopefully he's happy that he can help us start to win more ball games because that's what they uh, paid him for. It's what they brought him here for. And uh, that's what we as fans are all hoping that he can do is come play some great uh, defense, play a great corner position, which we know we need, and uh, and ball out now. So I'm not too worried about what he said or what happened in the past. Yeah. But still, wouldn't it be funny if a guy showed up and goes, no, nah, this team was terrible last year. They were easy, but I got paid. That's why I came here. <laughs> yeah. Right. That would be great. Um, also, uh, once again, it's that time of year when uh, teams have their pro days. And um, generally, with these pro days, teams also will uh, schedule like interviews with uh, teams after they do their workouts. And um, read that uh, Rashawn Gary and Karan Higdon um, – after the Michigan Pro Day, uh, you know, had interviews lined up with the Lions. Um, do, do you like these interviews? You know, I know, like, probably the Gary one is a, uh, you know, first. he's obviously first-round talent. They fall to him. It's definitely an option for the team. But Kron Higdon as well, you know, uh, can, you know, a little bigger back, got, got some decent speed. But um, you like these interviews? A uh, couple guys that you wouldn't mind having on the team? Oh, man, I'm uh... – <laughs> I'm totally split sort of in my brain about uh, Rashawn Gary. Like a lot of me says there's just so many little things about him that, uh, you know, doesn't scream NFL player. But, you know, every Saturday when I watch him get off the football for Michigan, he is always blowing off the edge, getting, you know, the Grifka almost sack on the quarterback, pushing the pocket. You know, um, he looks the part. You know, for for the when he's in the jersey, that type of thing. You know, I almost did a gimmick on last show. Hey, I'm a top five pick, right? Signed, 
Rashawn Gary's mom, you know, uh, <laughs> like I feel, I feel like that's just going to be a problem with him sort of being a mom's boy and him like not being very mentally tough. I don't think so. I mean, if they take him, I wouldn't hate it because of the talent, but there's just a lot of things that make me second guess it. Kron Higdon to me is a player that you just have to love in the later rounds. Like when I've been doing all these mock drafts again, Hate to bang on you, Grifka, but I'm over there putting in the work, doing mocks, reading up. I mean, Kron Higdon's a guy that um, you can wait on. This draft is a draft where there's lots of running backs. It's almost like the more you can hold your water and wait, the better value you're going to get in probably the fourth, fifth, sixth round in this draft. So, man, if they can pull Kron Higdon that late, I think that's where his value would be tremendous. You go and get him too high. I think he's kind of just a meat and potatoes type running back that would complement carry on, but you can't be taking him in the uh, second or third based on where what he's done to the draft process. So that's kind of my general thoughts. Yeah, the uh, like you said, uh, Higdon late round pick. It'd be a nice value. You don't want it. It's, I, I think he's one of those guys that you obviously don't want to reach for, but. Um, I think there's other running backs in this draft similar to him. So if it's one of those things where you're like, oh, you have a pencil in here, but you like another position a little better, a different player at, you know, wherever you plan on drafting him in, you know, fourth, fifth or whatever. And then uh, it's like, okay, well, we can let him slide because we can get this running back. I, I would be okay with that. It's not a guy I'm sitting there like targeting. It's like, gosh, I really hope the Lions get him. I mean, he was productive at Michigan. Um, I think he – um. I, I don't know if he would be as productive, you know, the workhorse that he was at Michigan and the pros, but, you know, a backup running back, he, he'd be a fine fit for the team. Uh, Rashawn Gary, um, I see your point on that. You know, I love that fit for his side, Rashawn Gary's mom. That, that is pretty funny. Um, but, yeah, I think the Gary interview, I mean, it's obviously one of those things. It's just he's penciled in his first-round talent. He's going to be one of those guys that pretty much interviews with, like, almost every team. You know, and if you're in the top 10, top 15, you should be interviewing him simply because he's penciled in there and you don't want to, you want to see if, you know, the goods, you know, are there with this guy. I mean, yeah, you have his tape, you have him at the, uh, at his pro day, you have him at the combine, but you know, yeah, sit down and talk to him, see if it's somebody you like. So, um, yeah, I think the Gary one is just that, you know, he's there, you know, we're here at the, you know, here in Ann Arbor, we'll schedule something with him and talk to him. So, um, that's how I feel about those two, uh, two interviews right there. Let's see, um, I really didn't have anything else to uh, discuss going in um, before hitting the main stuff I want to chat about. Uh, anything else you want to touch base with? Um, I, I think we're overall good. I mean, the people know we've been doing these shows for a while that uh, sometimes we're recording, you know, and then things may have happened since. But uh, like you say, the Lions came out big. You know, they've kind of been sitting on something. Um, who knows once this recording's out if they've done anything big. You heard about my big trade. I really hope that a big trade happens because I feel like they made such a big punch at the beginning and then it was, you know, slow like it normally is. But usually it's slow because, like, you, one, you don't have any money or, two, there's not players out there that can help you. Like, I think there's still – you know, players out there that could help this team. And uh, you didn't really give your take, Grifka. Like, if you had to put uh, a 1 out of 10 on a scale of 1 out of 10, what do you think the chances are that Bobby Quinn pulls out the big whooping stick and makes a big trade for a player that can come right in, can start Pro Bowl caliber, and can maybe really put us up over the top? Because I think our defense – is, is heading in the right direction, but one more piece, whether it be a dynamic linebacker or corner, and then maybe a draft piece could really put us, you know, in that top five discussion where most people don't think of us that way. Uh, where are you at with that? I would give that probably about a seven. Um, I think yeah. it's going to be closer to the draft when that happens. So I don't know if that's going to happen here, like in the, in the near future, within the next week or two. I, that might happen actually right before the draft or during the draft. If something doesn't fall the way that they like, and they're like, okay, we're we're going to try to pull this trade, they might, you know, they might be obviously sending out feelers and um, you know getting some stuff lined up that way just in case. But um, I think if something like that was going to happen, I think it would fall closer to the draft. And right now I'd probably give that a seven. Um, if they're going to look around and see who else signs where, they get a feeling how how 
strong the other teams are in the division. So um, I saw recently this week Minnesota, I think, overpaid for an offensive lineman, you know, to try to improve their offensive line. You know, we had talked about how crappy their offensive line has been in the past. But um, I don't think the Lions are leaps and bounds worse than the other teams in this division. And if they feel it's like if we get this one player, we, you know, you know, through the draft and put us over the top, they may make that trade. And right now, I'd say it's about a seven. Yeah, I, I really hope it would ha- happen around the draft. And my thing is, like, you can keep seven, ten million. You know, most GMs don't do it. Most of them really are always looking to spend sort of right up to the threshold. But Bob Quinn has always kept a little bit. You know, and everybody says we'll keep stuff for drafts. I think that's sort of like, you know, just on a business budget, you already have that sort of figured in. So to me, they're never really saving for that. That's already been factored in through their numbers. But yeah, I'm real curious. I mean, I don't see any other reason why you do it. And it feels like not only is this a go year where they need to get the team turned around based on last year, but Bob Quinn knows, hey, man, I got to get my coach some players so that he can put up W's. And everybody knows you know, that isn't a huge Bob Quinn fan that he needs a big year too. I mean, we've always supported him here on the show and overall feel like he's done better than good when it comes to drafting and bringing in players here and there, but um, needs W's and needs wins. So I think that's just something, again, to keep, we've been, talked about it a couple times now, but we just keep bringing it up so that people can keep an eye out because don't be surprised. I mean, we've only got a month to the draft. If something happens either before or, as you said, leading right up to it um, that will uh, – wheel and deal or like say don't need much on but if we can do something too on defense to me that just opens you up a ton to um, take a tight end take explosive players in the draft to help your quarterback and to build the offense because if you built the defense in free agency and with what you already had why not go big in the draft with um, there's lots of good receivers running backs and tight ends even though people act like this isn't a top end draft it is pretty good across the board with uh, the type of skill positions the Lions need. So I think I just wanted to bring that up again and make people uh, really think about what could they be doing behind the scenes to work something out. And uh, it's exciting to see. So that's really all I had. I mean, how about we take a quick pause for the cause and uh, head to our sponsors, and then we'll be right back with the rest of the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. We'll be right back, everybody. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. All right, everybody, we're back. So, Grifka, I'm handing the ball off to you. Take the lead here. What are we talking about this week? Well, I mean, your favorite thing, uh, going into the draft. And uh, I know we've debated, you know, the early rounds of this draft. Um, I was going through thinking about, uh, I've given my take before, how I like late, later in the draft kind of getting those skill position guys um, that uh, I don't know, maybe kind of like a long shot, something like that, you know, kind of like under, you know, underwhelming guy, but has like some skills that may translate to the pros, maybe taking a flyer on those guys. So I was going to throw um, a few names out here at you and kind of get your take on them. Um, I'm looking at guys right now, what I'm seeing, like guys that are projected maybe like, you know, fourth round or later, something like that is what I'm talking later in the draft. So uh, um, let's see here. Uh, I just want to get your feeling on a few guys that I'm seeing names that game, their names that have been out there. People know these guys, maybe they watch college football. They were big names on their teams or coming out of high school. They were big time recruits and um, they just maybe didn't produce in college, like you might've thought they would have been where they were recruited at. But, uh, um, once again, 
my, my first position I wanted to kind of talk about was uh, cornerback. And the first name I want to throw you at was uh, Iman Marshall uh, out of uh, so, was it, uh, Southern Cal, actually. I remember this guy was like a four or five-star prospect out of Cal Poly. Um, he was a big-time recruit. He had a couple good first years, uh, freshman, sophomore at USC. I believe um, uh, he had like, what, three picks each year. And then his junior and senior years, he was really hit or miss. But, uh, you know, this guy right now, um, he's about, I think he's, he's like right around, was it six, six one, like 200 pounds. Um, let's see, I think his 40 time was like four, he's like a four five in the 40. Um, I just know, remember him being a big name. What, uh, what do you think about this guy? Uh, well, I mean, I like the position. Uh, I think, you know, he's a name that I would see probably in that fourth round or later, you know, USC guys, you know, are pretty hit and miss. You know, I don't know that you see many USC guys come to the NFC North and really um, play that well at that type of position, you know, just kind of a different brand of football, different climate, all that type of stuff. I mean, my sweet spot, we've talked about it before. We've joked about it before. Second, third round, top of the second round, uh, a warrior from Penn State. He's a press corner. He's long. He really gets after you. And then, uh, again, your boy uh, Rocky Sin in the third, Grifka. That's what I'm hoping for. Uh, I saw something online where somebody said, is it just me or does Rocky Sin look like he's 45 years old? So uh, yeah. He does it, have a little bit of that Benjamin Button work in there. <laughs> so, I mean, I think those are good targets. And then, like I say, depending, if they don't go out and do anything, I think corner's a big um, – a big priority, but I don't know that Marshall is on kind of my top five-ish list of targets when it comes to second to fourth round type guys. It's just I, I liked him. I mean, talking about that the quote that we used in a prior show about like when they were asked about Greedy Williams, and uh, and the Lions scout said we like our we like our cornerbacks to tackle. I mean, Amon Marshall even at USC he was physical. Um, he liked to come up and. Um, he, I mean, he liked to come up and, and tackle, but uh, sometimes he would take some bad angles and had, maybe had some bad technique. I mean, he wasn't afraid to try to stick his nose in there, but he would miss a tackle every once in a while. He'd put his head down and, you know, not look where he's 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 going. So, I mean, that might be something that uh, that would have to be, you know, taught. But um, he always, um, I mean, he was, he was always pretty fluid with his hips, and he just, like, like, I, like I said, uh, you know, we had a his freshman to sophomore years. You know, we, I think he had six picks combined, and then, you know, after that he was he was pretty inconsistent. But, you know, just somebody I remember him. You know, him getting recruited and going out to USC, and he was he was decent early, and, he, and then you know he just kind of like he was kind of like there. He was he was one of the key contributors on the team, but he he didn't turn out to what to to what we thought he'd be. Mm-hmm. Uh, another another uh, name I want to bring at you is uh, another guy similar to Iman Marshall. I'm seeing penciled in the fourth round right now, and that's uh, Jamal Peters, the quarterback out of uh, Mississippi State. Uh, once again, this guy's another big, rangy guy. He's 6'2", 220, a little slower in the 40s, about 4'6", a little over 4'6". But he's another one. That's, he's physical. He, you know, he likes to tackle, and he's actually he's actually better at it than Iman Marshall. But um, what, what uh, you know, I've seen on this guy. What I've read that uh, he has trouble, you know, at the line. He wants to be physical, but he can be beat off the line, which isn't good. And um, with his speed being at four six, he doesn't have really good, really really good closing speed. But um, I, I don't know. Like, I like the physicality of him. I mean, that's kind of what I. I mean, it's like I said, you know, later round flyer on this guy. Yeah, you, you would you have any interest in this guy, or how would you feel if they landed him like in the fourth or fifth round? If your boy, nope. you just mentioned, nope, uh, four six. I mean, uh, AKA T's Tabor version two. I mean, <laughs> he, I, I don't care how physical we saw how that worked out. We thought, you know, he could get away with instincts. He thought he could get away with, you know, being a, a bit of a press guy. No, you got to have pretty decent speed and length to play in the Lions type scheme. So anything four six, four six five or, or higher, uh, no thank you. So uh have to pass on him. I, I kinda know what you're saying with the measurables and whatnot, but uh yeah, no thank you. We already got a four seven corner that we don't know what to do with. Okay. Okay. Hey, I like your take on that. Um 
let's do this. Uh, I, I know I know we're always wondering what to uh, do with uh, Theo Riddick. Um, what about this guy? Um, this guy really fell off, and it's uh, Bryce Love out of Stanford. I mean, he's uh, he's you know he's a little smaller, five ten, two hundred pounds. And, you know, the guy's got speed though. He's got four four speed. He's got some pretty quick feet. He's smart. He's elusive. He's another one of those running backs that you know can catch the ball. Um, the biggest thing I really got to worry about is he's been kind of an injury injury concern. I mean, he really fell off. I remember it was a couple years ago. This guy was supposed to be Heisman talk. You know, top two or three guys in the Heisman. You know, even going into last year, but you know, uh, he's he's been kind of hit with the injury bug the last couple of years. Um, what would you think if the Lions, you know, made a run at Bryce Love later? You know, say round five, something like that. Hmm. Um. I mean, I like the big names. He had a huge year, but I've done some read up on this guy. This is a guy that the big Hughes likes to take in a lot of mock drafts in the late fifth, sixth round. You know, again, he knows the name. He obviously produced, you know, I've read up on him and it seems like, you know, he just, he doesn't seem to have the stature and the inside running that'll get it done in the NFL. Um, you know, when you're getting him in the fifth, sixth round, it's sort of like, well, why not take a flyer on the guy? Well, the reason you don't is because, like, in the fifth or sixth round, I'm looking at guys, like I said, like James Williams, um, you know, Anderson, this guy out of North Dakota State who's sort of like a, a banger, like a like a, a good complement or a clone of carry-on type size, speed, likes to run away from you but not afraid to bang you. I mean, you've got other, like, shifty backs in that range as well. So, again, Southern California type of guy, NFC North, kind of been hurt coming off of ACL. You know, I love the name. I love some of the electricity it brings. But, you know, I, I probably just passed just going for more grit, more meat and potatoes when it comes to, you know, that running back. And, again, you know, we're still sort of waiting to see if we get Malcolm Brown. If we do, I mean, it really pushes running back down to where you're looking for just a, a, an electric scat back, maybe like a Justice uh, Hill, or you're looking for a guy that can catch the football, depending on what you do with Theo. So, you know, you could take a flyer on Bryce Love, but if I'm the GM, I think I'd pass and go with other guys that have, you know, skill sets we'd be looking for that maybe are a little more durable. Okay. Well, I guess that brings me to the next question because I found another guy that's pretty similar to Bryce Love, and that's uh, Miles Gaskin out of Washington. I mean, uh, he's he's about 5'10", 190. He's a little slower. He runs about a 4'5", a little over 4'5". But uh, he's got good feet, got good vision, but he doesn't catch the ball as well. I mean, he's you know he's kind of hit or miss with catching the ball at the backfield. Um, but he went to Washington, so it's at Northern School. I know um, yeah, I just heard your takes on guys from like Southern Cal and California guys. Um, would this be kind of like a similar read then as Bryce Love, Miles Gaskin, if, if say they got him fourth, fifth, sixth round? Um, I, I like Miles Gaskin. I uh, he really produced. I think he was supposed to sort of come out last year, and then he stayed an extra year. I only got to see him a few times because again, if it's not Michigan football, you know, I'm not watching too many West Coast random games. You know, unless it's the you know bowl time or some of those big games or big matchups, stuff like that. But a couple times I did see him. You know, I thought he was that that third downish type back you look for. He he can tote the rock. You know, he's smaller and shifty, but he can also carry the load a little bit. And uh, I don't know. I, I like this guy. He uh, not only produced, but when I saw him, I just thought, man, this guy wants the football, and he can do lots of things. You know, you're not going to have to spend a high resource to get him some of those middle rounds. Look for a guy like that. Um, I wouldn't mind it. He's he's kind of on my radar. It kind of just depends who else is there and, and what flavor I'm looking for at that point. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, he's another guy. If, like, the Lions got him, I wouldn't uh, I, I wouldn't be hurt. I would like to pick. But once again, you don't want to reach for the guy. I mean, I'm looking at this guy maybe fifth round, somewhere around there. I, I would be happy with. Um, let's move out to a position that may not be – as much of need now with like the recent signing of Lewis and how they got Amendola. But uh, you brought this guy up before. And uh, after you mentioned him, I went and kind of looked him up and, uh, you know, looked at a few of his things. And that would, that was Andy Isabella out of UMass. I mean, you, you mentioned him. He's, he's, he's only 5'10", 190. I know at the combine, you know, 
his first readings were like somewhere like four 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 five, but then said no, there's a glitch. It's more like you know four two four three, you know. And <laughs> I guess that's you know not really confirmed, but he's a guy. He's, he's got really sticky fingers. He's that jitterbug. He'd be that slot guy, you know. Um, he runs really good routes. I mean, I know you you kind of get on me for that, but uh, you know he's got quick feet. Helps him do that. But the issue with him is he's. I think he's going to be primarily that slot receiver. And with the guys who they signed with, um, you know, maybe Powell already being on the team, that would be that fit. I don't know if he would be that much of a need. But, um, you know, even with the size, um, his, his catch radius isn't isn't as large as, as other people. But still, I mean, you know, like you said, you know, you can't teach speed, you know, four two four three if that's true. And him with that little jitterbug technique, I mean, if, if the Lions drafted him, I would definitely give the guy a shot even with what they got. I mean, I know you liked this guy before. Has anything changed with this guy after seeing him, after seeing him at the at the combine, or are you still kind of you still like him? Uh, I like I like Isabel a lot. I think uh, you know when it came to the Senior Bowl, he got a lot of hype, and then when he actually was out there in practice, you know, he kind of got beat up for he had a few drops. He kind of was taking too long to get off the football with some of his moves. This guy can he's got speed, man. Like you look at him and and again, I think even in a pre- previous show I threw out, you know, he's a slot. I probably even said like a Wes Welker type, but you know, that was a slip up on me because that's kind of what you just think of when you see him, but when you really read up on him and, and know what he is, he's a former track star. He is in that four three, four four range. I think what happened in the combine was like his first reading was something like four five and it was like no way. You know, I remember even writing it down on our sheet that we were keeping and I was like, There's no way and then later it came out that it was it was more in that range you expected this guy to run. So um he's got that going for him. The other thing that I love about this kid is uh the things I read about him is he's he's like gritty, he's cocky, he's got some of that juice that you look for off the field or just on the field of, you know, yeah, he might not be the biggest guy, but he's not afraid to get stick his nose in there. He's got a little mojo to him, which I think this team needs. So he's definitely on my radar. And then when you said have I cooled on him, the reason I haven't is like I think – you know, yeah, you still want to get a good value. You know, how long can you wait on a guy like this? Can he get in the third round? Would you have to spend your second if you really want him? I think it's really important because, I mean, you don't sign Danny Amendola at 33, 34 and think, oh, we're good. You know, you you hope that he plays well and you like his experience and you like his locker room leadership. But if you can get a guy like Isabella at a good value, let's say with our late third round pick, I mean, what a great guy to put in that mix, to learn under him, to, you know, have more juice, but a similar type player. I mean, I think that's what Bob Quinn likes to do a lot. He kind of has a prototype for a position or, a, you know, something he's looking for. And I think this guy looks and feels like Amendola, but just is way faster and had the crazy college production at a lower level school. So definitely on my radar, it just depends where you can get them. And don't think that we're just set at slot and outside receiver. A lot could happen between now and then. And you got to have depth of those spots because you, you and me both know what's happened the last couple of years where a few injuries crop up and your boy TJ Jones is in doing absolutely nothing. And at the end of the year, Andy Jones comes in and we're both like, who? I just remember, we made fun of it. Who, who, who that is? We are like, who's this guy? At training camp, we're like, who's this guy? <laughs> yeah, like you've heard his name for three years, and then we finally saw him. We're like, oh, no. And then he gets out there and does a few things against Green Bay, and we're like, oh, that's Andy Jones. Okay. Yeah, I've seen enough of him. So, um, you know, yeah, we still need to upgrade those positions. And, and Matt Stafford needs to make people better. I don't want to leave him off the hook either. So Andy Isabella, yeah, definitely know his name and keep him so on the radar. Like Isabella all the way up in the third then late in the third oh yeah I think that's where you have to get him I, I wouldn't be surprised if he went at the bottom of the second early third and okay. we're not picking till end of the third so he's either going to probably be gone or you know yeah man if you can get this guy in the fourth that's that's a great value okay well let's put it this way say Isabella's gone and the lines are still looking for something like that um here's a guy who's pretty similar another small school guy um he's a little shorter a little lighter but still has good speed, and that's Penny Hart out of uh, Georgia State. He's uh, he's about 5'8", 180 pounds, runs a 4'4". Same thing, got you know good change of direction, good vision, good quick feet. 
Um, once again, him being the, you know a little shorter, a little smaller, he doesn't have a huge catch radius either. But um, would, would if 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 Isabella was gone and the Lions went for Penny Hart, you know, later, you know, fourth, fifth, around sixth round, would you be okay with that, or would you like just kind of scrap the decision at that point and move on? Um, I like Penny Hart. I mean, again, he's a guy that got buzz, you know, throughout the process, but. I mean, this is a late guy to me. This is, like you said, you know, fourth to me is too high. Fifth, sixth is kind of like if he's there, you know, you're you're considering it if that spot is still needing to be filled. Uh, I don't know. I, I like him. I'm not a I'm not like a huge huge fan. I think that he did really good throughout the process, so he has a lot of buzz. But you know, I definitely have some other guys I'd like ahead of him, and and there are some really good receivers both if you want a bigger outside type, depending on what might happen. You know, again, I don't want to trade Marvin Jones, but there's been a lot of talk about it. And uh, if they keep him and they're looking for that inside guy, you know, I'd be leaning more towards guys like Terry Godwin, Isabella, who we talked about. And, you know, you'd have to get Debo high. Those are guys that all interest me based on their skill set and stuff. But uh, yeah, Penny Hart's a good late round flyer if you need it. And uh just depending sort of where he falls. Maybe he does go earlier. I don't know. But uh, I think uh, he's on the radar, but not like a target really. Yeah. I have to agree with you at that. If they were, if if it was one of those things like they missed on, you know, if they went for Isabella, but somebody took him, you know, early, like you said, you know, and then they, you know, Penny Hart, you know, fell to him like in, I would say the sixth with this guy. I mean, I know size, you know, him being a little slower, but even Georgia State, small school type thing, you know, the talent level played. Like you said, I know he's doing everything right right now, looking good, but um, still, um, I, I I would sixth, sixth is where I'm looking at this guy. So um, that's where I would be okay with it. Uh, last one I, I want to throw at you is like we all realize once again, tight ends position need. I know we we um, signed James and uh, Roberts is still on the team and Young and really hasn't done a whole lot yet or hasn't had his breakout yet. But uh, I remember this guy being uh, recruited out of high school as well. Um, he was down to a couple schools, one of them being Michigan. That's why I always I'm always going to remember this guy. And that's Isaac Nott, no, so Nwata, out of uh, Georgia, the tight end. Um, he he was a, a big name guy. He was one of the top three tight ends in the nation when he came out and. Um, I don't know what happened to him at Georgia. I'm just, I thought he'd put up big numbers. I mean, he's a big boy, 6'3", 244. Um, He's a good blocker. He's got really soft hands, can catch the ball. I just know one of the big knocks on him, though, was that uh, what he, he, he ran like a high 4'6 at the combine. You know, so he he might not have that breakaway speed, you know, down the seam. He don't, he more of just like a red zone threat is the way I kind of look at him. But, um, I just, I just think he could be just that, that red zone threat that we're thinking Mike Roberts would be, but uh, it might be a guy the Lions may be interested in for his size and you know, you know, catch it, you know, being able to catch the ball. Um, what do you think about this guy? Hey Griffco, you, you remember what I said about corners that run four seven? Yeah, I got you. Feel the same way about tight ends that run four seven? I was about to say no, but when you asked me that, yep. Um, the, this guy, I mean, I remember taking him in a few mock drafts and then he showed up to the combine. And again, I know I always say the combine's not everything, but this guy like basically showed across the board that he almost like can't play in the NFL just based on athleticism. And I don't know, his 40 was bad. All of his testing was bad. He looked bad. Um, I just felt like he's almost off the board in regards to draftable talent on what I saw. I mean, yeah, he went to Georgia and yeah, he had, to to me, he looked like a big lumbering old blocking back, you know, which if the Lions have a role for that, you know, okay, maybe. But if you think you're going to get anything really in the past game or anything extraordinary from this guy, I think he totally showed his colors. And I mean, this guy to me now is a late round flyer or undraftable. It's kind of where I have him. Yeah, seventh round, I'm I'm right there with you. Anything on this guy before the seventh round, I think you reached. And I know that sounds stupid, you know, but uh, I'm kind of with you on that. You know, yeah, he can catch the ball. He's got soft hands and he's a good blocker. But 
it's I think one of those things though, I don't think Matt Patricia looks for that slow plotting tight end. I mean, I think he wants somebody who can actually kinda move, you know, move the chains, you know, get find the seam. I mean, I, I'm surprised they don't re sign Levine Toilolo because, you know, we might have found something in him. But uh um yeah, seventh round at best on this guy. Real quick on tight ends, so Griff, I've been running all these mock drafts and I feel like tight end is a tough one because I I really don't have a good feel for Jesse James. Like, I mean, I like the signing. I think that he's got great size and there may be some good upside there, but I'm also fearful that he comes in here as we've thought other guys. Like I remember there being a little bit of buzz around Luke Wilson. Oh, he, he knows the system. He can catch it and run. And he did absolutely nothing. So, you know, I don't know what we have in Jesse James, but as I've been doing mock drafts, I've sort of been saying, okay, where can I get a, a tight end, but a move, an athletic tight end, a kind of guy that can can make plays on the football rather than, like, be all worried about blocking and also not spending a high resource, you know, in that first or even early second. Like, if they go take an Irv Smith in the early second, I would understand why, because they need that type of tight end and type of player. But... I've been looking like third, fourth round where I've been getting warring out of, uh, I think he's out of San Diego state. He's got some really good size and athleticism. He was good at all the drills and kind of, you know, has some upside there or this, uh, gosh, what's his name? I think it's Knox out of, uh, man, I don't have it right in front of me. I want to say he's either out of Tennessee or somewhere. It's big old tight end, kind of like that last tight end you can get before it sort of falls off the map as far as production and guys you can count on. So, I think that's going to be important. Like when we look at the draft, like where if you're going to add a tight end, you pretty much have to because they only added Jesse James and I don't see them doing too much else. Like where do you get one at a good value that can make plays and isn't a stiff, you know, and, and you don't avoid it at all. Like, you know how we went through drafts where like we're supposed to get a running back and then it's round seven and we're like, why haven't we taken a running back yet? You know, I think they're really going to have to find the sweet spot to get a guy in here that can do some things. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's tight end is like one of those positions that, you know, in college you can kind of dominate, but like you said, then when you go to like pro days and stuff, that's kind of where you show your colors. And like you said, Irv Smith in the second round, I could understand that, but there is, there's definitely that step that you, that you mentioned that once the certain level's gone, it really falls off. And it's not a small step either. You know, it's a cliff. So uh, yeah. I, I know what well, you're talking and, about. And, and the reason I'm bringing it up is because, like, I'm coming your way a little bit where, like, I sort of like tight ends because they do hurt, you know, put pressure on the defense. But I only like them at good values, either paying them good amounts or getting a really freaky guy that's hard to deal with or a really nasty blocker in the fourth round. I don't, I don't know. It's going to be tough. Like I say, you know, where, who do you get and where do you get them is going to tell me if I love the pick or if I don't like it, because I think you can win Super Bowls without some amazing tight end. Yeah. I, I mean, there's plenty of teams that win Super Bowls, even nowadays teams that make the Super Bowl that, the tight end is a, it's he's another guy. He's just the chain mover. It gets, you know, targeted maybe three, four times a game. You know, so And I and I know it sounds like double talk, but you've heard me talk about T J Hawkinson and how people hate it and they can't take him here. Like I can see where he fits this team from blocking, catching, doing the things that we don't have. We don't have a player like him, so I could see why they'd add him, but I just think it's a it's a tough pill to swallow that high. That's why I want to wait a little bit. But anyway, I just wanted to bring that up about the tight ends because every time I do a mock, the corner and the tight end are like the hardest one for me to plug in at a good value where I walk away going, oh, yeah, you know, I love that. It's usually like corner in the second and maybe like a tight end in the fourth would be my my ideal scenario. Yeah. Okay. Well, I I like covering those. I think I want to do maybe a few more of these because, I mean, I know we always talk a lot about the high rounds and – you see a lot of buzz on like NFL Network, ESPN about like those first round, second round guys, but a lot of those late round guys that they might end up taking, they they you know they get drafted and people are like who? So uh, I think we may do a, a few more of these here and there, you know, kind of cover some late guys that may fill positions in need for for the Lions. So you know it's a uh, guys that we can inform our listeners, you know, if they don't get a chance to really uh really go out there and look at. Uh, you know, people being drafted or that are eligible for the draft, and we can, you know, just spread a little knowledge on these guys. You know, just a, just a quick, you know, thumbnail, you know, on them to say, like, here, this is what the guy's good at. 
but you know this is you know height weight speed you know so at least somebody has a little something on them so so when the name is called that there's not like a who who's this guy so <laughs> grifka normally normally the people love when i bang on you and make fun of you and and tear you up but here here's a compliment good stuff grifka you either put in a little bit of homework or you listen to my uh post combine post senior bowl podcast by pulling some of those names and doing a little bit of uh reading up so mad props to you and uh anytime we can talk draft draft prospects and on the show where you let me actually talk a little bit i love it so thank you buddy yeah, no problem. Like I said, man, this, it might it might be it might be one of our our sets here. You know, maybe not be that many guys, but maybe just a couple names here and there. You know, late round guys that uh, the Lions may be looking at. So uh, might yeah. might do that up till draft day. So um, I I want to bring back this one. We haven't done one of these in a while, and I want to want to get your opinion on some stuff. And I want to bring back a would you rather? Now, uh, you know, would you rather? This has more like to do with like you know. The questions I'm asking you is like more like home field schedule stuff like that. So, uh, uh, you ready to answer these few questions here, really quick? Let's do it. Okay. So uh, when it comes to the schedule, I know a lot of teams, you know, don't like you know having three road games in a row. And you know, when we look at the schedule, you know, we are, we always look at the tough spots. But uh, if you got the line schedule, would you rather have like you know like a heavy home uh, a heavy home schedule early? or a heavy home schedule late. You know what I'm saying? Like, would you rather get more road games out of the way early part of the season, or would you rather have more home games early part of the season? Yeah, man, I got you. Uh, You know, I think, I don't know, I think the fans overall, we've always, you know, kind of, we're looking at those primetime games, we want games early, or we can get off to a good lead. I think, you know, with Matt Patton here, he said it multiple times, I mean, he wants to get this team ready for November, December, January, February type games. So if I got my choice, I'd love more home games, more important games towards the back half of the year when this team is revved up, when they're ready to go. And uh, I think that's where they're going to have to make their impact. You know, winning games in the first couple months may get you off to a lead, but if you stumble down the stretches we have in the past, it doesn't mean anything. So spread them out, give us a good bye week and yeah, let's load up on those big games at the back half of the year. Hope that we're healthy and go beat some teams here moving forward. Okay. Um just my quick take, hey, get the ballot. I agree with you. I'd much rather um you know, get your confidence, get your feet underneath you. If you, if you win some of those early road games, it just leads you late like when you know you have a heavy schedule, home schedule late in the year. So, I'm with you on that. Um Ford Field. Uh do you like that it's domed? Or do you wish it was an outdoor stadium? Now, Grifka, did you see the photo that prompted uh, maybe a question like this, or did you just think of this one? No, I was just kind of thinking the stadium itself, the atmosphere, like when me and you go there. Um, I'm just wondering, because I know we have chatted about it before, and I know why teams tend to do that in northern areas, especially teams that you know haven't been successful in the past and stuff like that. But then I think about yeah. Buffalo and, you know, those weather games, but no, I was, I just thought about this one, you know, okay. would you rather have well, four field domes or outdoors? Well, the reason I asked if you saw the photo was because, man, I, I don't want to get this wrong, but I do kind of want to give the credit. I think I got it right. I think on Twitter, the Sandman, who is the guy, huge Lions fan that does all these crazy, like slow motion highlight videos and all this other type of media stuff, which is great. But I think he took a, a screenshot of like one of the guys signing their contract. And in the very background, he circled and highlighted a little model Ford field that has the retractable dome. It's like a mock-up, you know, like you would have in a meeting of somebody saying like, this is what it could be like. Oh my gosh, Griffith, it looks sweet. Like I've been saying for years and years that I would love an outdoor stadium. You know, I would love to be at a game either when the fall is or I wouldn't even mind a big old snow game just feel like you're outdoors feel like you're just it's just more hype like I've been to a few other outdoor games and just feels a lot better than the staleness sometimes of Ford Field I mean Ford Field can get crazy with the crowd but there's never been times like where I felt electricity like I have like at a night game outside when it's a little bit chill in the air you got your hat or it's sunny out and you got your shades on and you're 
rooting on in your team. So this is definitely, you know, I'd love Ford Field to get that retractable dome or in a perfect world, you know, it would have been more football heavy, more so than corporate sometimes. Yeah, I mean, once you can get the bell, I'm right there with you. Nothing beats, you know, would be going to like a game in December where it's cold and snow and we're all bundled up. You know, everybody's in the crowd and there's those morons without any shirts with lions painted across their chest. <laughs> you know, uh, nothing beats seeing that. So uh, uh, next question. Hey, Griff, are, are you serious about that? Because I always felt like you were the guy and you are the guy. Every time we go to the game, we can't get you off the first game of the year because you want the weather to be good. Do you want the team to be zero and zero? Like, I don't see you getting whooped up for a game in December when blizzard outside. No, I, I like going to the first game because it's it's the new year and everybody's hyped. I mean, <laughs> games later. In, I've been to games later in the year when the team's been out of it. And, you know, it's it's a bleak. And, I mean, talk about a dead crowd. I mean, it's it's just they're they're not fun. So uh, that's why I like the first game because like it's like that everybody has hope, you know. That's what that's why I really like it. But that's why. <laughs> well, Griffka, maybe stick with your team even when it's not going well instead of like going to the first game because you're zero and zero. How about you root them on when you're not playing so well? How about that? I'm just talking the atmosphere of the crowd at the stadium. When <laughs> you, you have to admit when the team's not doing so well, the atmosphere at the stadium is not as good. Well, I know, but you're everybody's a part of that. So I uh, I would love to go to an outdoor game. We've been saying we should go to a Michigan game one of these days. Uh, I'd love to go to another outdoor game with everything on the line in Ann Arbor or something. Yeah. But, yeah, man, we we got the dome. Unfortunately, it is what it is. But you should check out that picture of the mock with the uh, retractable. Look, it looks really cool. Okay. Um, what about this one? Okay, so even if, if, if it was outdoors, would you prefer – the natural grass or that uh, artificial grass that a lot of stadiums even have, like even outdoor stadiums have that artificial grass, which one would you rather have? Yeah. Yeah. That's the easy one for me. I mean, one, the outdoor stadium, one to have banners all over the place and, you know, that football stadium feel, you still got to go with the field turf. I mean, you still got to have, nobody wants that turf you see in Chicago or Washington where it's just falling off the ground and people are slipping and sliding. I mean, to me, that's not, that's not very fun football to watch. And it's, it's not even because the players or the weather, it's just because the turf is so terrible. Even in like Arizona, they got like the field, they roll in and it's always crappy as we saw this last year with the lions heading there. So yeah, just everybody go to the field turf, let these guys make plays and, uh, you know, inside, outside, it works fine. So should be like a mandate by the league, I think. See, I have to disagree with you on this one. I, I would have to go with the natural grass. Nothing nothing beats when a game is sloppy and guys are just muddy and they're what? covered in dirt. And, and when they get, you know, when a quarterback gets sacked and that big lump of grass is stuck in his helmet. I love that. <laughs> um, last question. Now, if you own the team, any team, a pro football team, would you have a team fight song like the Lions have or like other teams have? Would you have one and you'd just be like, no, those are cheesy, they're corny? Team fight song, yeah or nay, for a pro. Oh, definitely. I uh, I don't know. I remember going to a Lions game in Washington, and I was blown away by how, how much cooler the Washington – fight song was than ours just in regards to like the words and it just seemed tougher and like way cooler but like you say everybody loves kind of chanting the lions uh, fight song but i think it's cool man so like a little throwback element that they keep even today and you know it kind of depends which song you have and how it's played you know uh but yeah man a, a, a badass kind of cool f- fight song that is playable in 2019 or back in the 50s i think is awesome okay yeah, uh, yeah. Like you said, it, it guess it depends on the song because, um, yeah, we we know the lyrics to the Lions fight song, but you're <laughs> right. There are there are teams that have better ones out there, but you know, I do like the Lions fight song better than the Philadelphia Eagles one. That fly Eagles fly one. That one's pretty stupid. So uh, stupid because it's not ours. If we had that or the Redskins, we'd love it because it, it is way better than uh, than some of the parts of ours the way it's played today, but. I know he'll never listen to the podcast, but Grifka, there's nothing more fun than me sitting in my season ticket seats, doing the fight song with Whitlow, the king of Detroit, barber shop all day, like 
giving people fresh fades. I mean, when that guy has his lion's mohawk, his beads, and he's up there chanting, I mean, that's good times. So shout out to Whitlow, one of the coolest dudes ever, and uh, love to get rowdy up there in the season ticket seats when we're there. So that's a funny dude. And uh, like you say, it's a part of what the lions do, and we got to embrace it. So, yeah. so um, okay, well, that's all I got. Uh, nothing else really to cover for today. I know uh, it's a good show. We covered a lot of stuff. You know, gave some people some information about some guys that may be there. You know, on day three, and uh, they they can look forward to. Um, anything else you want to cover before we get out of here? Man, it's all good stuff, Grifka. I uh, I'm not going to steal your catchphrase, but um, I I just this is the time of year, man. Free agency heading towards the draft. These are when we want to talk Lions football. Um, lots going on, lots to get out on the table before we get to draft day. We talk a lot about afterwards when the fallout happens and what we thought, but there's nothing better than projecting forward and trying to see what our team might do. So, you know, we're hitting you up Wednesdays and Fridays, but don't be surprised if you see some bonus shows pop up here and there, either uh, me solo Grifka may be doing a solo here or there, maybe us coming together for another mock draft here before you know it. But, uh, we're going to keep giving you that Detroit Kool-Aid and we just thank everybody for listening. And, uh, amen. Uh, before, uh, we, we head to next week, uh, Grifka, you got anything else for the people? Uh, nope. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much. Drink that Detroit Kool-Aid, our team, uh, putting it together, man, really expecting a big year with uh, Matt Pat at the helm in year two and uh, Bobby Quinn trying to give him a lot of groceries and a lot of pieces to get this team together. So me and Grifka, we're super excited and uh, looking forward to probably like T minus uh, 25 days or so until uh, that draft will be right around the corner. So looking forward to that. So everybody uh, have a great weekend. Check us back right here next uh, Wednesday. We'll be coming to you with another Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Take care, everybody. Drink it in, man.